Hey folks, this is Jesse Cope, back with another episode of the American Soul Podcast. Hope y'all are doing well, wherever y'all are and what, whatever part of the day you're in, if you're getting ready for school or work or driving to or from somewhere, sitting on the porch, or going for a walk like we're about to. One puppy dog, one kitty cat, maybe some more floating around. We did manage to pull the last of the year's sweet potatoes out this week, so we'll see how that goes. And our children, my wife, rediscovered our little Christmas village that we used to put up each year years and years ago before we had little children they could pull it down and destroy it and so they found it again this year and put it up and they're pretty excited about that so i'm sure we've had a couple other things another kitty cat on a walk the weather's gotten a little warmer i think that's why everybody's out although the dog is rolling around on the ground scratching her back right now (laughs) at any rate We'll see what we can find. So we have a lot of these Christmas messages. Uh, We're obviously not going to be able to get through all of them before Christmas, and that's fine. Uh, But I wanted to take a break from that. I didn't really want to, but I felt like I needed to. A couple things came across my plate recently talking to some of y'all and education and the other dog has decided to come out man full house today education involved both of them and so we're going to talk a little bit we're going to go back because it still seems so shocking to so many there's a few podcasts that we do every few months three to six months probably that i feel like we really need to just have in the back of our mind And this is one of them. And sadly, this is one of the ones that's a negative. But it's so important to to know and understand so we can see where we're going. Little side note here. I'm not going to dig into this too much today. But there are a couple bills that were introduced back in the summer. Uh, And I didn't, didn't know about it. Maybe, I don't know how many of y'all do either. And I'm not sure what chance they actually have of passing. This is at the national level. There was a bill in the House and another one in the Senate associated with it, I believe. And they were both pushing for national school choice. And I think there may have been uh, another bill more recently introduced. I'm I'm just not sure. I'm going to have to dig a little deeper. But... There are a few bills starting to float around about national school choice, meaning that the federal money would go wherever the child went, and then it would be up to each state as to whether the state money did. And we talked about Arizona a little bit earlier this year. Arizona passed just this summer before the school year started universal school choice for all of their children in the state, I believe, and it was $6,500, I believe. And so 
whether that's going to homeschool or private school or whether you decide to send your kid to public school. And folks, if that if that gets through, that would be absolutely, if you can't figure it out on your own, think about it a little bit. That would be absolutely it would shake the foundations of our nation, but in a, in a good way, because it would give parents, a lot of parents, especially those that are bent toward homeschool, but even those that have, it would have made a huge difference for us when we sent our children to private school. That amount of money depending on what it is federally and what it is state to state would give a lot of families the freedom to educate their children then where you reincorporated the traditional, the founding faith and principles, what actually made our country great, which is the principles of Jesus Christ. Because if you're going to go back, you're going to have to teach the stuff that we talk about on this podcast so often and when you teach that stuff it's going to go back to Christ again and again and again and when you allow those children and there's so many other things that school choice will do but that's the main one that's the central one and everything else falls in line after it because of it anyway I said I wasn't going to dig too much in that and so I'll stop it's just real interesting y'all might dig a little bit and see what you find I'll continue to kind of look and see what I stumble across. But what we're going to do today is we're going to go back to a man named John Dewey. For those of y'all that have listened to the podcast over the last year and a half or so, you're familiar with this name. I talk about him every so often, just kind of in general, and then probably about once every three to six months, we'll do a more in-depth podcast on the man and his beliefs. So Dewey was, is considered the modern, the architect of modern public education in America. That's his title. And he ran in education circles uh, for, I, I would, looking at what little I've read on his, his actual personal life for most of his adult life, professional life, and had a huge influence on public education. And this was back in, well, what we're going to talk about today is a paper, a book that he wrote in the 1920s, I believe. I'll double check that date in just a second. I'll just go ahead and double check it right now. So... This, oh, and it went away. Of course, when you're looking for something, it always goes away. Well, I'll have to go back and find it another time. Oh, there we go, 1929. Impressions of Soviet Russia and the Revolutionary World, Mexico, China, Turkey, by John Dewey, published by the New Republic Incorporated out of New York. 
So we're going to talk today about these, what his beliefs are, because he had such a huge impact and, and <laughs> take a look at how, if, and how we're implementing those in education today. So I'm just going to read a few quotes and we'll talk about these as we go. And this is a, a lengthy book, so I'm not by any means covering all this, just picking some of the wave tops. The traditional customs and institutions of the peasant, his small tracts, his three-system farming, the influence of home and church all work automatically to create in him an individualistic ideology. In spite of the greater inclination of the city worker toward collectivism, even his social environment works adversely in many respects. Hence, the great task of the school is to counteract and transform those domestic and neighborhood tendencies that are still so strong, even in a nominally collectivistic regime. So, what do we say in here? Just to spell it out, folks, he's saying that the job, the great task of the school is to break these ties with the home and church, to counteract and transform those tendencies. You look at today, what we've done in the last, since 1947, right? So the last 75 years, give or take, we've taken God out of the classroom, right? And what we're going to talk about in a minute, because he spells it out about the longer and longer school years and school days, we're taking kids away more and more from their parents. And this ties into feminism. This ties into the lie being sold that you have to have a two-income family that we've bought into, that the woman has to go outside of the home and work to provide. Right? And so it breaks down this family unit. And it breaks down the ties to God because now, you know, in the past where even if the kid didn't get it, if they came from a broken home, a divorced home, a single family or single parent home, if they came from a dysfunctional home where they had two parents, but maybe one was abusive or the relationship was toxic somehow or whatever, and there was no influence toward God and toward our traditional toward our founding faith and principles in America, they still got it at school. And that is no longer the case. So if, if the family is broken at home, if you're not getting these pillars, right? You talk about life, liberty, the creator, inalienable rights, all the things that we talk about on this podcast just constantly over and over and over again. They are no longer getting that at school. And so you've created this vacuum that has to be filled by something. And now this communist socialist statist ideology steps in and fills that void which is why we are creating more and more generations that feel like the government is the answer to everything not and it's and and that we're just one big body that we're not individuals uniquely created by god so a little bit later dewey continues a few pages later that thoroughgoing collectivists regard the traditional family as exclusive and isolating in effect and hence as hostile to a truly communal life is too familiar to require rehearsal. 
Apart, however, from the effect of the oft-recited Bolshevist modifications of marriage and divorce, the institution of family is being sapped indirectly rather than by frontal attacks. Its historic supports, economic and ecclesiastical, are weakened. For example, the limitation of living quarters enforced in Russia, as in other countries, by the war, talking about the Great War, the First World War, is deliberately taken advantage of to create social combinations wider than that of the family and that cut across its ties. So again, and I'm not familiar with the Bolshevist modifications, <clears throat> excuse me, of marriage and divorce that Dewey's talking about here, but it doesn't take much to imagine in a socialist communist society that those are make divorce easier right, which we've talked about with the French Revolution. Our founders talked about that, the French Revolution. And that, that mob democracy, folks, leads, you know, you talk about the reign of terror in the French Revolution back at the end of the 1700s. You talk about the Cultural Revolution under Mao in the 1960s, uh, the socialist regime of the Nazis in the 1930s, and again, the socialist communist regimes of Lenin and Stalin in, in Soviet Russia. And you can look at, at Cuba and uh, North Korea, and a number of other examples, but it doesn't take much to see that this idea where you can get divorced easier and easier, where those family ties are weaker and weaker, right? That's likely what he was talking about. And, and certainly at the end there to cut across these family ties. Uh, and he talks specifically about the, the this institution of families being sapped indirectly rather than these frontal attacks. And you look today in America and you see that everywhere, I just had somebody talk to me about it in church on Sunday. Every time you turn on a national sporting event, college and or professional, because college is basically coming becoming professional now with the ability to pay collegiate athletes in the millions of dollars. You see these commercials that attack the family that attack God's design for marriage and for men and women because it promotes the feminist LGBTQ movement from the left. And so even though it's not a direct attack by the government, it is indirectly through entertainment, through advertisement here, but also when you start talking about even kids programming like Nickelodeon or uh, my brain escapes me right. Disney is a great example. They're starting to add in the transgender and the LGBTQ characters, right? So the family marriage between a man and a woman is getting attacked on all different fronts. And that's what Dewey's talking about here. Our special concern here, though, skipped about a page, is with the role of the schools in building up forces and factors whose natural effect is to undermine the importance and uniqueness of family life. So, and, and what you don't know, right, because when I'm reading, you, he could just be observing, but Dewey was, was a great proponent, and I need to go back and find that quote. I've lost a couple over the last year and a half that I really wish I had written down. Dewey was a huge proponent of these socialist schools, these Stalinist or Leninist schools. And so when he's talking about this stuff and describing it, his own opinion supports this. And so the role of the schools here he's talking about is undermine family life. Well, how do you do that? Well, you 
keep kids away from family. You, you take God out first. So you destroy the traditional idea and roles of marriage that, that God has created, a man and a woman. You destroy the roles for men and women. And, and so you take God away, right? And then you push this feminist idea that you've got you to gotta take the woman out of the home. She's got to go work now got to provide income now so mom's not at home with the kids anymore so we drop our kids off now right at what like six weeks of age to go to daycare to have somebody else raise them and pretty much from that point on with few exceptions someone else is raising the kids because now mom's not it's not even you know some of you talk about well we'll we'll go pick the kids up at three well okay you know even best case scenario starting in daycare the the kid and I guess with daycare the kid is dropped off probably when I drive and this has been multiple different cities when you go past daycares in the morning on your way to work usually sometime around seven right they start getting dropped off so the parents can get to work so the kids there about seven they get picked up usually sometime after five right and so for ten to 11 hours a day, that child from the age of six until they're considered a man or woman at the age of 18 and graduate, somebody else is spending more time with them than either one of the parents. And, and you know, that's, I know that that steps on some toes, steps on my own toes a little bit. Uh, but the point is that somebody else is raising our children. It's not us. Because in in the past, when the woman stayed home with the children, by proxy, both she and the husband were raising the children because, (laughs) in theory, they actually communicated and talked about what was best for the kids. And so you saw that influence, right, Uh, from both parents. And now we get neither of those, and that's what Dewey's talking about. It is obvious to any any observer that in every Western country, the increase of importance of public schools has been at least coincident with a relaxation of older family ties. What is going on in Russia appears to be a planned acceleration of this process. For example, the earliest section of the school system dealing with children from three to seven aims in the cities to keep children under its charge six, eight, and 10 hours per day. And an ultimate ideal, although far from present fact, this procedure is to be universal and compulsory. Well, we've done that. It is universal, uh, which is why so many on the left are so desperate not to allow school choice, right? And sadly, a lot of people that claim to be on the conservative, traditional founding faith and principle side, the Christian side, they're also against it, right? Because what is what is public school basically become? It's become babysitting. And, and all you have to do is, is look back at the COVID year and see how eager so many parents were to get their kids back in school. They wanted back to normal. That's what you heard so often. I wanna go back to normal, I wanna go back to normal. Well, why? I mean, is it really because you think that having a child in a box eight to 10 to 12 hours a day is best for that child? Or is it because you want somebody else to deal with the child? Right. And so what Dewey's saying here is that's what we want to do. We want to break those family ties. We don't want mom and dad having any association with the kids. 
And we want to lengthen the day six, eight, ten hours per day and make it compulsory. Make it to where you don't have a choice, where you have to send your kids, where it's a requirement. Oh, and the last line, because I just realized how long we've been going, is uh, there are in contemplation summer colonies in the country corresponding to our fresh air homes for children from slums in which children from these all day quote unquote kindergarten schools will spend a large part of the summer months. And so what you see is that's the extending. So the, we just talked about the extending of the day and this is the extending of the year, which we see uh, almost every year you get a little bit, certainly every few years, the school year gets a little bit longer and a little bit longer. And, and folks, if we don't see that tie to break the ties between God and the family, that's, that, that was the goal a hundred years ago. And that's what's being executed today. And so when you start to see this school choice, I'll tie this just back in real quick here. When you start to see these school choice bills that have started to pop up in different states and even these national bills that are popping up and you, you hear all this pushback and all this fight from teachers unions, from the left, both politicians and friends and relatives and neighbors around you, realize that this is the heart of it. This is the base of it, is to get kids away from God and their family. And that's why, because if you give school choice, if you let those parents, the good parents, there's going to be some bad ones. Absolutely. No system's going to be perfect, but those good parents to allow to start to pull those kids back toward God and Jesus Christ and the family. That's going to wreck what the left had planned. Or at least it has a huge potential to. All right, we'll leave you all alone. God bless you all. God bless your families. God bless America. We'll talk to you all again real soon, folks. Looking forward to it.